Amen. It's kind of quiet again. We'll get there. We'll get there. I tell you what, I, I love I love that video because here and what we're going to talk about today. And um, we, we started a series last week titled Deconstruction. And in that deconstruction mode, I feel like over our, our lives as Christ followers, we have built some trellises and built some structure that we need to revisit and we need to kind of reconstruct some things. Last week, we really talked about reorientation and how we've been in an orientation mode before. We've gone into a particular college or whatever and had an orientation and then through time, we've forgotten those things. We just had to reorient our lives back to that. And today, we're going to talk about a paradigm shift. And so last week I shared with you that uh, we're going to go and, and learn Romans 12, 2 by memory. Who worked on that this week? I got five. All right, good. We, we're good. Okay, it's going to be up on the, on the, on the screen here, but we have, I've left some blanks in here for us. Okay, so, so let's, let's do this together, if you will. Okay, so Romans 12, 2. So let, let's read this together. We'll fill in the blanks for those of us who know that, and then we'll, we'll get there. Do not be conformed to this age but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. All right, that was about a, maybe a two on a scale of 10. Let's do that again. Okay, we'll get there. Uh, let's, let's say it a little louder this time. Ready? Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will. Alright. Yay. Can you give yourself a hand? That's good. Alright, good, good. Well, that's about a five. Okay, we're getting there. The front up here was kind of loud. I bit miss you back there, but it's good. We're going to do this every week. Why is that important? Why is scripture memorization important? When you go to battle, you've got to take the sword with you. And the Word of God is the sword that we go into battle with. Right? We, we've got protective gear on. We have the helmet. We have the breastplate of righteousness. We've got the readiness of the shoes, but we go into battle with the sword. And when you take that, listen, we can take that one verse and apply it to all of life. So we're going to do that each week, and, and I want us to just look at that. Last week we did this. Here's the big idea. Let me give you kind of catch up a little bit for those who weren't with us. The big idea from last week was this. A life not conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of our mind, understands this. How deeply we are loved by God. Now, we said last week a little bit that sometimes in the difficult situations, it's hard. Sometimes we, it's hard for us to process. Okay, and I've heard a lot of stories over this past week with a lot of different things. And I've, I've heard some stories and some testimonies and just faith journeys. But listen, a life not conformed to this world but transformed by the renewing of minds understands that one deep concept is that God loves us. And did you know, if you take anything away today, God loves you. Do you believe it? Okay. Well, today's big idea is this. A life transformed is one who is grounded in grace and is ever awake to their adoption in God. That's the big idea for today. A transformed life is one who is grounded in grace and is ever awake to their adoption in God. Another, another way we could say it today as well is a life transformed is one who is totally dependent on God. And that kind of jump starts our thought process today on two, two paradigms. And so with that, I'm going to pray and ask God just to speak 
uh, through these paradigms and through this verse of Scripture that we've, we've memorized and we're memorizing and shared together. So let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word that is active and alive. Father, this morning, transform our minds. Let, let us be renewed this morning from your word so we know what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of you. Speak as only you can speak this morning, Father. In your name I pray. Amen. Well, a life transformed is one who is grounded in grace and ever awake to their adoption in God. A life transformed is one who is totally dependent on God. Now, let me just start this about the first paradigm is the human paradigm. The human paradigm. And for those who were taking notes or missed notes you want to get it later on, I can send you my notes. You can fill in the blanks if it makes the typeface go crazy. Okay? So it's all, it's all good. The human paradigm, listen to this. The human paradigm sometimes really believes this thought that I don't need to be dependent on anybody but myself. That's the human paradigm. And I see some shaking heads. I see, you know, that's wrong. That's a bad paradigm, right? Human paradigm is this. We have this X. If you can imagine that I'm, I'm here and there's an X out here, we are born into this system, this human paradigm system. And so what it is, is we're taught at an early age and all throughout about this, this, this paradigm. It's habitual. It's something that we don't really have to even think about. It's just something that we just automatically, and we can go to in a heartbeat. Okay, what about the American dream? Let me see if you've heard these things before. Go to college, get married, make a lot of money, don't get caught cheating, equals the American dream. Or what about this one? Be nice. Don't say what you really think, and that'll equal people will like you. That's awesome. How about this motto? The motto of the human paradigm would say something like this: Do the things you're supposed to do, work hard enough, try hard enough, and you can make it happen. Who's heard that before? Yeah, you're tracking with me this morning. Human paradigm, right? It's this elusive X because here's what I understand. Hey, I had to graduate from kindergarten when I was five years old. There's an X out here for me to graduate besides my mom and daddy probably put me in timeout or they didn't do that back then. I was I was going to what they did. But anyway, kind of reminds me of Matilda's. I'm going to put you in the chokey or whatever. I was anyway. Um, so here we go. There's this elusive X and I'm working toward this. All of a sudden I get to this X and it moves. I get to first grade, second grade, fifth grade and I've got to, it. Just, it just keeps moving, doesn't it? And then you get to middle school. And then you get to high school, and that X just keeps moving. All of a sudden, you get out of there, and you go into trade school, or you go to college, and you, you have to go through those four years or two years, and then it just keeps moving. Or you get into your career, and you look at those X's, and what does it do? It just keeps moving. It, it, and the word that we can look at in this is, is the word is about arriving. The word is arriving. I just want you to kind of put that in your mindset about that. See, do the things you're supposed to do, work hard enough, try hard enough, and you can make it happen. But what does the human paradigm promise us? What does the human paradigm promise us? Listen to this. Control. Without having to be dependent on God. And I'm going to tell you how, how that applies this morning. And the second thing is how worthy we are. You can think of the word status or something like that. Significance. See, here's what we've done. We've exchanged this X... Okay, this X that's out there, if we just turn that just ever so slightly, it becomes a cross. See, this whole thing about arriving, this whole thing about working, this whole thing about 
all of that. That, that, that X now becomes the cross in our spiritual life and we apply the human paradigm to our spiritual life. See, the goal becomes like this. Get close to that cross, therefore I get close to Jesus. Well, what happens in the human paradigm when it's blended into our spiritual life? I'll share with you a couple things. A life that doesn't deliver what you or I thought it would. Anybody with me? Anybody been in that system before? Anybody been in that paradigm where you thought it was this, this way and it didn't deliver what you thought it would? Well, what does that do? It leads to resentment of that system or that paradigm that you've been in, that you thought it was, which can also lead to a third thing, burnout. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands because I don't have enough arms to raise myself. Control, status, significance. Those can become the human system words. It can become idols in our life. The questions you ask in this human paradigm is simply this. And these are not, listen, these are not bad questions. They're just not great. They're not the best questions. First one is, how am I doing? Or, am I doing good enough? Or, am I getting God's attention? See, the, the two realities of the human paradigm is simply this. The human paradigm is limited. The human paradigm is limited. It can become, listen to this, a black hole when, it, when the gravitational pull pulls you in to where you feel like you can't escape. Because those questions lead to that. Am I doing good enough? Am I doing the right things? How am I doing? Because, see, here's the deal. I'm doing really good compared to so-and-so. We can always get in, in the human paradigm to compare ourselves to somebody else. Oh, but I'm not doing this. Hey, God, I'm not, I'm not doing that like they are. How am I doing? It can, it can become that black hole that really just pulls us in, and we have a hard time finding our way out to escape that black hole. The second thing, here's this about the human paradigm, is we're more comfortable with control, listen this, than surrender and a relationship with Jesus. See, as long as I have control, it's all in this nice, comfortable box for me. Because, listen, when I surrender, when I surrender my life to Jesus, it's different. But if I, in the human paradigm, it says I'm more concerned, I, I want more of my control than really surrendering to you. And it, listen, we've sung some songs about that this morning, didn't we? Lord, I surrender. It's a, different, it's a different paradigm. See, the third one here that, that I put down is more of a quote. But it says, even if the human paradigm makes us miserable, listen, it's coldly comforting. Even though the human paradigm makes us miserable, it's coldly comforting. Control. Status. Significance. Well, here's, here's a couple problems with the human paradigm. Number one, we never get there. We never arrive. We never get there and we never arrive. See, the, the human paradigm can be summed up in this word, arriving. 
We talked about that X. Just turn that X to a cross and it's about arriving. It's about doing this to get to this. It's about arriving there. But listen, we never get there. We never arrive. Or the second thing about this human paradigm is it's about three things. Me, me, me. Which bleeds into our ego. Anybody know what ego stands for? Edging God out. That's ego. Edging God out. It's about me. It also, number three, it distorts Jesus' story. Man, and I don't know about you, but I love reading the Gospels because I love how Jesus comes in on the scene and He just blows up this human paradigm that the Pharisees, Sadducees, and the religious council had and, and how it's coldly comforting. But boy, He blows this thing up, doesn't He? And you read those stories and how He just he gets in the lives of those folks that need Him. And the folks that are in the religious elite, they miss Him. But it distorts Jesus' story. See, Jesus came to lead us out of this coldly comforting paradigm. He wants to lead us into a new paradigm that leads us to a life that is full, that is meaningful, and a life that will last beyond us. Who in here would agree with me that you want to live a life that's going to outlive, outlast you and outlive you? Everybody in here does. You don't do anything in your life without thinking of that particular thing, but are we really doing it? Are we really investing in the things we need to invest in to live a life that's going to outlive us? The second paradigm is simply this. It's the Jesus paradigm. Okay, we talked about the human paradigm. Now we're talking about the Jesus paradigm. Here's the questions in the Jesus paradigm. These are, these are the better questions. Now listen, God, how can you be so good? God, you're so good to me. You're a good, good father. Yes, you are. It's who you are. Oh, there's so many searching for answers. Oh, there's so many there's so many questions out there among people. But God, you're the good, good father. How can you be so good? And the second one is this. How am I doing loving others? Because the prophet spoke and Jesus just said, listen, it can be summed up in these two things, right? Love God, love people. How am I doing loving those that, that, that God has put in my place of proximity? How am I doing loving the people that He's put in my family or He's put in my work uh, periphery or people that, that ebb and flow out of my life? How am I loving others that are around me? See, Jesus conquered the religious system of His day which focused on religious performance to please God while neglecting the real transformation of the heart. That's pretty good. That, that, that's, a, that's a pretty good hammer on the nail right there. Jesus conquered the religious system of His day which focused on religious performance to please God while neglecting the real transformation of the heart. See, the Jesus paradigm has a posture of this dependence. Dependence is the only way to love and, and only way love and grace can take root in our lives. Dependence. But see, here's the deal. In the human system of life, we're taught from a young age to what? We're raising them up to depend on you. You do it. Tighten those bootstraps up. Okay? And there's nothing wrong with, with living independently, right? But when it comes to our spiritual life, man, we're dependent on who? Jesus. 
A life of dependence. That's the posture of that. See, God sees past all your stuff. I think you would agree and I would agree with Paul. Man, I'm the worst. I'm the worst of sinners. Man, I I can't say anything bad about you because I've got to look at myself. And it's worse in my own life than yours. I'm, I'm the worst. I'm the chief of all sinners. See, God sees past all your stuff. All the stuff you have done and the stuff that you will do. And he says this, listen. I know how unsorted, I know how broken, how sinful you are, and how unworthy you feel. But listen, I chose you. Now live in this reality of adoption and to love so that it will transform you. In spite of all of that, in spite of everything that you've done and that you ever will do, he says, listen, I chose you. You are my son. You are my daughter. I love you. Let the reality of adoption permeate in your life. Ephesians chapter 1 verses 3 and 4 says this, Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ. In verse 4, For He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in love before Him. Ephesians chapter 1 verses 3 and 4, which gets us back to our verse of Scripture today. Do not be conformed to this world or this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is good, pleasing, and the perfect will of God. See, the Jesus paradigm works from a you're in, and from that place you work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You can work out your wholeness and healing. Jesus awakes us to this goodness. In Ephesians 1, 3, and 4. This goodness is seen through the life of humility, not success. Isn't that what we're taught? That we're supposed to live a life of success? Do this to be successful? But we never go to the class that says, Hey, listen, to live your life, you've got to live a life of humility. You've got to humble yourselves. That's a different paradigm than we've been taught. You and I only come to God through our weaknesses and our failures. Oh, the hymn we sang just a minute ago. What a friend we have in Jesus. Have we trials and temptations? Everything you do, take them to yourself. I was just saying if he was with me, that's all. No, take them to God in prayer, right? Instead, we think we come to God by our strengths or by our successes, and that's not the case. Remember, Jesus came for the sick, the prostitutes, the drunkards, the tax collectors, the social outcasts of His day. And Jesus said, I didn't come for the well, but I came for the sick. I don't know know about you, but I'm glad I'm in that category. Because I'm not well. I'm broken. I'm flawed. Kind of like John Ortberg's book. Uh, just the title alone was worth me purchasing the book back in the day. Everybody's normal. Until you get to know them. <laughs> right? Oh, what about this? The poor in spirit. Those who did not have it together. Those who are broken. Not the I have it all together religious crowd. Jesus is calling those who are broken and willing to come out of the shadows to what he offers, which is this. Life. See, the human paradigm just gives you misery. And if the old adage is true that misery loves company, let's let's move to the Jesus paradigm that gives us life and life that's abundant and that's full. And so with that, I I want us to look at this 
prayer from the Valley of Vision, a, a collection of Puritan prayers. And I, I have it on the screen for us today as well. Broken it down into five things here. The title of this particular prayer is A Disciple's Renewal. And I want to go through this today because I believe this, this helps us understand the Jesus paradigm. I think this helps us understand a disciple, a follower of Jesus, a learner, an apprentice. And here's what he says right, right off the get-go. He says, Oh, my Savior, help me. I am slow to learn, so prone to forget, so weak to climb. I am in the foothills when I should be on the heights. The first thing that I see in this first part of this scripture is, uh, this prayer is, one, depend on God. Depend on God. He says, oh, my Savior, help me. He didn't say, thank you for me. I'm so good. No. Oh, Savior, help me. Listen to what he says. I am slow to learn. I don't know about you, but there are times in my life, and it may have been today when I woke up, I'm a little slow to learn. And before we give the Israelites a bad rap, like how did they just not get it? 40 years wandering around, and he provided. I mean, he gave you, he gave you manna. Oh, you fussed about that, so he gave you quail. He gave, hey, listen, ladies, he gave you clothes that didn't wear out for 40 years. Isn't that awesome? You didn't have to go to Tarjay or anywhere else to go get your clothing. No saying, hey, listen, he gave it to you, right? I mean, I mean, your hair was probably flawless. Didn't have to go to the beautician. Didn't have to, I mean, it's great. It's wonderful. But, oh, I'm slow to learn. But, you know, here's the thing that I've learned about the Israelites, and sometimes this may be the case with us. Their whole paradigm was the fact that they were in Egypt for so long. They learned oppression, slavery, everything. That, that, but yet, they wanted, talking about coldly comforting, they fussed and argued with the leaders. They wanted to go back to Egypt because they didn't want to die in the wilderness. So they wanted to go back to what they understood. They would rather have that than that. But see, here's what happened. Jesus, uh, God said, listen, I guess we'll just kind of go around here for 40 years until one thing happens. Until I get Egypt out of you. See, that's the Jesus paradigm and human paradigm. Sometimes we're so slow to learn. We're so prone to forget that it takes time for him to get that human paradigm out of us and get us into that Jesus paradigm. Oh, it reminds me of the hymn, Come Thou Found. Prone to wander, prone to what? Leave the God I love. Father, help me. Help me. No, first thing, depend on God. Depend on God. The second thing we're going to look at here is the next section of this, this prayer. I am pained by my graceless heart, my prayerless days, my poverty of love, my sloth in the heavenly race, my solid conscience, my wasted hours, my unspent opportunities. I am blind while light shines around me. Take the scales from my eyes and grind to dust the evil heart of unbelief. Second thing I want us to hear it is this, drive out, drive out my heart of unbelief. Drive out my heart of unbelief. I don't know about you, are you pained by your graceless heart? Are you pained by your prayerless days? Are you pained by your poverty of love? Are you pained by the sloth and the heavenly race? Or your solid conscience or your wasted hours or your unspent opportunities? Are you pained by those things? 
man, I love how he I mean, the, the writing of this prayer is so beautiful because that, that's something that should resonate with us is, oh, Father, man, I'm paying help my, help my prayerless days. Help my graceless heart. Oh, in, in my laziness of this heavenly race, Father, let me be reminded that, listen, this isn't my home. That's my home. But let me be effective in everything you give me here to make sure that when I'm running this race to get there, you will say, well done, my good faithful servant. Help me, Father. Help me feel inside, inside in this God conscience of my life that, listen, man, my sloth in this heavenly race, my laziness, my complacency, to realize that in this heavenly race there are people dying going to hell. That there's people in my family dying going to hell. There's people in the community that are dying going to hell. There's people that need a touch from Jesus. What about my wasted hours or my missed opportunities? What about those hours that maybe, hey, I don't know about you, over this COVID-19 experience, how much more can we binge watch Netflix? How about a phone call? How about a text? How about a Zoom meeting? How about a walk across the street in the open air and share? Is there a missed opportunity that you had? What about a wasted hour? Oh, drive out my heart of unbelief. And I love what he says in that next, those few lines. I am blind while light shines around me. But this, take the scales from my eyes and listen, grind to dust the evil heart of unbelief. Just grind the dust, my heart of unbelief. The third section in this prayer says, Make it my chiefest joy to study thee, meditate on thee, gaze on thee, sit like Mary at thy feet, lean like John on thy breast, appeal like Peter to thy love, count like Paul all things done. The third thing I want us to see here is delight in him. Why? Because He delights in you. Oh, listen, do, do you make it your chiefest delight, your chiefest joy every single day when you get up and you go about your life? That Hey, listen, make it my chiefest joy. Make it the delight of my life that I get to get up and I can study your Word. Oh, Father, that I can sit there and go, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of my mind. That I can hear, Father, how good you are to me. And what you can do in my life that only you can do in me and through me. Oh, make it my chiefest joy. Make it my chiefest delight to meditate on you. When's the last time that you or I have just sat down and meditated on something from the Lord for minutes, hours, days, months, years? That takes margin. That takes time in your life just to meditate. Listen, that one verse, I promise you, take Romans 12 too and just meditate on that verse of Scripture all week long. See what God does in your life. Oh, realize how conformed to this world we have become. Realize how much we've been conformed in the human paradigm. We've just changed the X to a cross and we've been conformed. But listen, to be renewed, be transformed, a mind change. So that we, we, we don't have wasted opportunities. We don't have wasted hours. We're not slothful in our, in our race with Him. How about this? To make it my chief joy or my delight to gaze on you. And I think about Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 6 where it said the man, the, God filled the temple, man. And he just sat there and gazed on the beauty and the splendor and the wonder of God. 
What about this? Make it my chiefest joy, my chiefest delight to sit like Mary at your feet. All right, let's ask the question. How many of you can't sit still? Martha's. Martha's in the room, okay? For the Martha's in the room. That whole exchange between Jesus and Martha and Mary, that, that was it, wasn't it? Martha was busy getting everything done and getting everything tidied up and cooking and getting everything prepared. Oh, Jesus, tell Mary to come in here and help me. She needs to come in and help me. I mean, I, I'm over here doing this all by myself. And then Jesus just, just said, hey, listen, Martha, Mary's doing the important thing. May, may we make this our chiefest joy. May we make this our chiefest delight to sit like Mary at the feet of Jesus. And that takes time. You, can't, you cannot microwave that. It comes from a crock pot. Oh, or to lean like John on his breast. Or to appeal like Peter to his love. Peter, do you love me? Jesus said. He said that three times, right? But he knew that Jesus loved him. And Jesus knew that Peter loved him. Make it my chiefest joy. Make it my chiefest aim in life. My delight. To count everything in life as rubbish. Except for knowing and doing the things for the Lord. Delight in Him. The fourth thing. Is devote to a life of grace. This next section of the prayer says, Give me increase and progress in grace so that there may be more decision in my character, more vigor in my purposes, more elevation in my life, more fervor in my devotion, more constancy in my zeal. Devote to a life of grace. He's saying, listen, Savior, give me increase, give me progress in grace. And this is it. It's grace in us. It's the gift of grace in us and fully realize grace through us. Grace in us, grace through us. Grace in us, grace through us. Oh, give me increase in progress. Why? So that there may be more decision in my character. So what's the character? What, what, what should our character really uh, look like? Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Oh, give me increase in grace and progress in grace so that there be more decision in the character. Oh, Father, I'll be honest with you. I don't know if you're like me and struggle. I may have a big, big size fruit in this one. And one called patience, maybe about like that. Anybody with me? Oh, Father, give me increase in progress and grace so that there be more decision in my character. May that fruit grow. More vigor in my purposes to understand why I'm here and why, why I'm doing what I'm doing. That you've, you've given me this day to go throughout this day. More elevation in my life, realizing that increase in progress in that, you're going to elevate that in my life. I don't elevate it. But you elevate it, Father, that, that I can go and be all that you want me to be. That there's more fervor in my devotion and more constancy in my zeal. Because, see, hey, life goes like this, doesn't it? Isn't it ebb and flow? But, Father, give me more zeal, constancy and zeal, so that way it's more like this. 
more like this. Not meaning a flat line like I'm dead, but just there's more constancy in that. I'm reminded of a verse that has become my life verse, one of them. A couple of years ago, Psalm 119.37, Keep my eyes from looking at worthless things, or keep my eyes, turn my eyes from what is worthless. Give me life in your ways. And that's it. Turn my eyes from these worthless things, but if you give me increase in progress, then listen, there's more, more decision and character. There's more vigor and purpose. There's more elevation in life, more fervor in my devotion, and more constancy in my zeal. So listen, number four, devote to a life of grace. Number five, declare God's position. Declare God's position. As I have a position in this world, let's do this prayer, keep me from making the world my position. May I never seek in the creature what can be found only in the Creator. Let not faith cease from seeking thee until it vanishes into sight. Ride forth in me, thou King of kings and Lord of lords, that I may live victoriously and in victory attain my end. Oh, that we wouldn't make this world our position. As I said a moment ago, heaven is our home. But while we have a position in this life, no matter what that is in our work life or, or our status or anything like that, that we would live in, with our eyes lifted to where our home really is while being effective where we are here. May I never seek in the creature what can only be found in the Creator. And, oh man, ride forth to me, thou King of kings and Lord of lords, that I may live victoriously and in victory attain my end. Romans 12, 2. Say it with me. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. One of my favorite people that I've read and studied over the years, his name is William Borden. William Borden is a uh, man who lived, he graduated high school at the age of 16 in 1904. William Borden was born into a life of riches. He was wealthy. His parents were millionaires. At the age of 16, graduating high school in Chicago, his parents gave him probably the trip of a lifetime, a trip around the world. How many of you got a trip around the world for your graduation gift? Nobody in here, right? <laughs> yeah, but here's what happened. While he was traveling over there, he, he fell in love with the Kansu people in China. The Muslim people of China, the Kansu tribe. And God moved in his heart and, and he says, he wrote back to his family, I am going to be a missionary. His friends were telling him this. Why do you want to waste your life as a missionary? And he wrote down in his journal, no reserves. He had all the wealth. He had everything at his disposal. He had a house. He had money. He had parents who loved him. I mean, he could really just punch his ticket, right? And he could just kind of live into basically a human paradigm instead. He was following Jesus. And he said, okay, I'm feeling called to be with those people. I'm going to be a missionary. No reserves. Knowing that he can't take those riches with him. Knowing that he can't take over there what he has. No reserves. Well, the story goes on that William went to school and he went to Yale. And folks knew that 
he was just a little different. That his life following Jesus was just a little bit different than theirs. And so through his time, he started a small group prayer and Bible study his first year. By the time he got finished with his senior year at college, 1,000 of 1,300 students was attending a weekly Bible study and prayer. I would say it's a little different. On Mason, right? All the while knowing that he is going to go serve as a missionary with the Kansas City people, he knows at graduation what's going to be offered. Oh, sure they did. They're knocking on the door. I'm, I'm going to offer you this. I can offer you this. I can offer you this. All these high prestige places to work. And he could have punched a ticket. He told everybody no because what he wrote in his journal was no retreats. No reserves. No retreats. He's on mission. Already has his mind focused that he's going to the Kansas City people. Well, he ends up going from there to Princeton to get his grad degree. And while there he graduates, the story says that he sailed off to China after graduation. He's going to, he stops by Egypt because he's going to learn Arabic. And when he lands in Egypt just shortly, right away, he, he develops spinal meningitis. And within a month, William Borden died. Well, the shockwave went around the world about William Borden and, and him giving up his riches and his fame and anything he could have done with a prestigious job and everything else. And, hey, listen, no reserves, no retreats. But it's been said that in his journal he wrote two more words. And those two words were simply this. No regrets. Human paradigm. Exhausting. Miserable. Will not give you life. The Jesus paradigm, no reserves, no retreats, no regrets. A life fully lived for Him. Dear brothers and sisters, this morning, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may know, you may discern what is a good, pleasing, perfect will of God. Let's pray. Father, this morning, thank you for your word. Father, it is alive and active, and I pray that these words will ring true in our life. I pray that we will learn to live in a Jesus paradigm that's full of life. So God, continue to grow us, shape us, and mold us into your image. Continue to grow us in the fact that, man, in grace and in love and in the fruit of the Spirit, that we may be effective instruments for you. And all this I lift up in your